0: Uh, evening, everyone. We've got uh, round seven of Don the Stat this week uh, as we preview the Bulldogs game. Apologies for the radio silence at the start there. I did forget to unmute my microphone. Um, before you laugh at me too much, Hume, you might want to do the same thing. But yeah, welcome as, as always uh, to my trusty co-host, Ian Hume. You've had a, a busy week this, mate, introducing us
1: to the world of podcasts. Yes, I've set up our feed, and uh, you can access our podcast through Apple, Google, and uh, Audible at the moment. Uh, the links you can find the links to those uh, on my Twitter feed. I'll post them again following the show if you, you want to follow along, or if you want to share uh, if you want to share this show with people who aren't on Twitter. Uh, that's another way that people can access it. So uh, really exciting. Uh, just just the response last week was huge. It, it just blows us away each week how um, interested people are. And the the fact that people are, are listening to what we what we have to say is is really uh, really take really uh, takes us back. It's just it's just really good. There.
0: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Thank you for for doing that for us. And yeah, the feedback's been amazing. So, uh, yeah, a bit to cover tonight. Mate. Should we get stuck in?
1: Yeah, let's let's get cracking. So. We always start with going back over the previous game and, and what our thoughts were leading up to the game in terms of what Essendon would have to do to be successful. Uh, and so we'll go through those now. Obviously, a much better, much better effort this week than the previous week against Fremantle, but there are still a few areas to work on. So the first thought was the back to basics, the contested ball and the tackling. Uh, we actually won the contested ball, 123 to 114, and we won the clearances, 43 to 31. Uh, tackling was was up on the previous week, although we didn't quite get on top of Collingwood in that aspect. Uh, what were your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, the clearances was a lot
0: better, wasn't it? Um, I think that's the first time we've won stoppage clearance this year. Uh, so they they ended up 25 to 20. We've been getting smashed around the ground. Uh, and there was some some really... Um, pleasing signs with that and how we went about it. Um, obviously, Zach Merritt coming back helped, and Parrish had an incredible contested game. But also, the way we used our wingers to to set up and structure, I thought, thought was really important. And uh, one thing I did notice I didn't notice it too much live at the game. I was sitting down the bottom level, so couldn't quite absorb it all. But on the replay, was the way that we used McGrath to come up as the so Pies would roll a half forward up you know, someone like the Pinsky or Dacos were, were coming up to the contest and then McGrath would follow that player but hand off and take to Goey uh, as their sort of best contested or, or stoppage player. So he kind of played a, a mini-tagging role at stoppage throughout. So I thought that, that definitely helped us. And on the tackles, you know, we need to be tackling more than 40 times in a game. But one thing I will say is that we... It, you can't tackle if you got the ball. We had the ball a lot, um, and we were winning the ball at, at contest, you know, more than they did. So, you know, you can't tackle yourself. Um, the other thing, though, was that we did really press up against the pies and try and restrict their handball game. So that that meant a lot of sort of guarding space, or um, uh, well, not guarding space, but but pressing up and trying to restrict handball. And I think that worked. I mean, um, it, we did get caught out some, uh, at some times, and they did get some coast to coast goals, as, as we know, but. Um, i think you know it was a it was a, an improvement but i think that's just a baseline now isn't it like it's a it's a it's a pass as a minimum standard it, it needs to keep getting better
1: absolutely we also were talking about increasing the forward 50 entries which was a slight improvement on the previous week yep. in terms of the amount uh, however there was there was that was restricted in part by the kick to handball ratio, which was almost one to one, which uh, was particularly pointed out in the broadcast uh, early on, particularly by Lee Matthews and, and, and others. Uh, what were your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, I thought it was nice that um, on Anzac Day, Channel Seven got a commentator back who went to World War One, um, so I thought that was that was fitting. Um, you yeah, know, that side. Yeah, there, there were times where. We handballed because it was the right thing to do. So Parish would get in and under, handball and release and use, you know, the uh, Merritt and shield around him to, to get clearance ball. Uh, and that was the right thing to do. We we were rolling up a half forward uh, and we were rolling up our wingers around contests. So that gave us an outnumber. And if you've got the outnumber there, you should use it to get into clear space. So that worked. Um, but then our, our kicking inside 50, there were moments where it was really good. You know, there was a hind kick to Waterman for our last goal that was a ripper. We found, um, you know, Stringer in a couple of dangerous spots a couple of times but there were also times where it was really, really awful and, and it led to to Howe taking lots of marks and, and mm. taking it back out. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a, you know, it was a bit of a pass but only just
1: and, um, yeah, a bit of a, a mixed effort, I think. Yeah, and that sort of leads into the next point which was to try and limit Quaynor and House output in terms of you know, their the impacts. Now, we probably give Quaynor sort of a 50-50 split there, but as you sort of pointed out, uh, Jeremy Howe uh, really, really took the game away and it was really damaging in terms of stopping the, the forward entries and and providing that that uh, providing that, uh, emphasis down the ground for Collingwood. We did try to run forward on him, but as a second-year player, you know, you, you're you struggling against someone as classy and as experienced as how they're.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not even sure we can consider Baldwin a second-year player, to be honest. He's missed, what, three years? Second game.
1: He's I mean, his sorry.
0: second year on the list. Um, second game. Um, yeah, I think Shorey on um, on footyology stole my my thunder a little bit. Howe was definitely, I, I thought, was the best player on the ground. Um, so, you know, really influ- influential. We did use to use ball. We tried to use Baldwin, but it was just too big of an ask for him. So, I guess, you know, do you... Do you give the coaches a little bit of a pass for at least having the intent to try and do something about it in a way? Um, maybe, but, uh, you know, we, we probably – or not probably, we definitely should have reacted to that um, throughout the game and, and looked to do something else. The, the one thing I will say is maybe it did free up. Um, Waterman kicked four, didn't he? stringer Stringer kicked kick um, three. three. So they've kicked seven between them. It probably did help them. It certainly didn't help Peter Wright get – get much but um, yeah maybe we robbed Peter to pay Paul a little bit but but how did so much um, so much damage the other way and then I think the other couple of points we made just to roll through them was um, you know we wanted to get our our wingers up and down the ground and combat Collingwood's winners in the air we didn't get any goals through our wingers but we did definitely get some really good football from them Martin Durham in particular Martin at 22 at 81 he had yeah, you know, a ton of sort of pressure acts. He had three inside 50s and four rebounds. So, he was getting back and he was and he was kicking the ball inside 50. And I think at the moment, he's probably the one guy on our team we want kicking inside 50 more than anyone else. Uh, and then Durham at 17 at 94, which included nine contested possessions. So, he really put his head over it. He won a couple of stoppage clearances.
1: Um, you know, he tackled. And yeah, for for bounds. two players who have got a combined 20 games between them, that's a, that's a fair... It's a fair return.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it was it, it was really good. Um, you know, they got lost a few times, and, you know, I called out a couple of those on the review, but that's what happens when you play kids, right? You've got to take the good with the bad, and then you hope that with experience you see more of the good and less of the bad, and, and that gap gets closed. So, so yeah, that was pretty good. And then, you know, we were hoping to see some goals from the ruck. I think Brundy gets exposed there. I, Draper really tried that. There were a few times where he saw him forward and just not get used and honoured. Uh, but <laughs> given his goal kicking, maybe you can understand why. But um, unfortunately, you know, there were a couple of times where we turned it over. Grundy got really lazy on him. There was one in the first quarter where um, where Draper pushed forward really hard and Grundy just went, you know what, I'm just going to stay where I am. Uh, and he was on his own in the center of the ground. And um, it, it made it made it look like, you know, we, we'd broken down our, our transition defense again, but it was really just Grundy cheated and got lucky. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great contest though. Like, uh, yeah, watching that again on the replay, that the way those two went out, it was just it's just good to watch. So, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. it's probably just a bit of experience in the end there that got Grundy over the line a bit more conditioning as well. Draper Draper tied by that last quarter, and, and Grundy had some pretty important efforts in that in that last quarter, particularly when you know probably that the big the big moment of the game was when Parrish went off injured, and you had Merritt also rotated off and couldn't get back on. You had that two or three minute period where they dominated the centre, penalty went in they kicked two or three goals and that ended up being the difference in the game.
0: Yeah uh, yeah, absolutely, I was so angry when that happened um, I think if Sammy Draper's going to make one of the premier ruckmen, I know he's probably not at, at his peak of his powers at the moment, Grundy but if he's going to force good quality Ruckman to work that hard and to play that well to beat him, I mean it's debatable whether or not he did beat him but, but to play that well to try and have an influence then uh, you know when he's only got twenty five or twenty-six games experience himself. I think I think that's that's yeah good signs. Merit Stringer got through the game. You know, they both made the odd fumble and mistake, but given where they've come from, they both had a really big um influence on the game. And I think the other thing that I did like um was that we definitely looked to switch the ball more and open the play up. It didn't always mm. come off. Um, our kick-ins, the small sample size that they were looked a, looked a bit uh, looked a lot better. I think we got a goal at least from one of them. Um, so you know, thirty-three percent is not a bad strike rate. Um, so you know that that was better. But um, I think ultimately you're right that you know just some mistakes at costly times and some little things. You know, short entries which we just knew we're going to play into house hands got intercepted and they went coast to coast. You know, Waterman and Guelphie, among others, refusing to use their opposite and and turning the ball over didn't really help or support Baldwin that much. I made this point on Twitter. I reckon really strong clubs with strong culture. I reckon, you know, Essendon would have done this back in, in the early 2000 era. And I reckon Melbourne and the Richmond and Likes would do it now. They would have just found a way for Baldwin to get an easy goal, get a handball over the top in the goal square or just just look for him a little bit more. And I guess we're not playing well enough to be able to do that, but I I just feel he's someone who just needs a goal and then we might see him open up a little bit. Um,
1: yeah. so It's yeah. a bit Harry Jones-like from last year when, you know, Harry had that, that game against Hawthorne, missed a few easy shots and, you know, took until his third game to start getting on the board and then, you know, you could see the confidence just rise in him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's a good analogy, mate. And then I think you... Um, you you made the the point about keeping Collingwood's inside fifty efficiency below their average. So I think they were only at thirty seven point five instead of their normal forty five percent, which is which is a good sign. Unfortunately they kicked um <laughs> wasn't
1: yeah. Um yeah, I think 15, fifteen yeah fifteen be- yeah. something like the best best goal kicking return since ninety four. So you know and on another day they kicked 10-8 and we win the game. Yeah. So you know Swings yeah. and roundabouts, or, or turn, so o- turn over a whole bunch more kick-ins, and they win by even more. That's that. That's true. So we maybe <laughs> our strength is our clearance. So, so maybe it was good they were kicking goals. Yeah. Uh, let's let's leave that there. We'll move on to the Bulldogs. And just before we we go into how the Bulldogs are playing this year, uh, obviously there's a there's a few storied uh, games between Essendon and the Dogs. What's your memories of of Essendon playing the Bulldogs? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I remember going out to the Witten Oval as a little bloke. That was always um, an adventure. Um, I mean,
1: not an adventure as if it,
0: as, as in it was far to go. I, I grew up, you know, not all that far from there, but it was certainly um, an interesting place to, um, to to go to. I actually played a couple of games of footy there as a junior as well, and we used the Bulldogs rooms, which uh, challenged my Essen and loyalty um, at times. But... Um, yeah, I, the one that springs to mind for me, funnily enough, is um, the dogs are obviously really good in in '97 and '98 when I was still at high school, and I went to a school that had a lot of um, a lot of like first generation Australians whose parents had migrated um, post the the war between Croatia and Serbia, and um, and so there were a lot of Croatian kids, a lot of Serbian kids, and they all adopted the Bulldogs as their team, a because they were close, and b. Their colours were obviously the same as their national flags. So I used to just get bullied all the time by these Bulldogs (laughs) supporters. And 97 was really horrible because we had a terrible year in 97. I think we only won, you know, three or four games um, from memory. We certainly finished well down the ladder. Um, And the Bulldogs were up and about. So, so yeah, um, not great memories. And then... Yeah, I, I, I was, yeah, no, I'm not going to mention the game a couple of years ago where they kicked a million goals in a row. So, yeah, we'll move uh, on. What, what
1: about you, mate? I, I, was, I, was at that, I was at that game and that was my last game before the pandemic. And, you know, if things had turned out differently in the pandemic, I would have been a bit <laughs> disappointed had that been my last ever live game. But the Bulldogs also have to be my first ever live game. And would you believe it? It was the year 2000? I was 13 years old. Uh, I've been watching on TV. We'd won 20 games in a row. I thought, finally, I convinced my mum to take me to the game. I'm sitting there, at the top of, um, what was it Colonial Stadium? It was called yeah. that called back then. Sitting there, and you know, hold on, this isn't this isn't like TV. The, the Bulldogs are saying you it. Know, why are all these players in the back line? What What's going on? And you know, the, there was a bit of the there was a bit of the um, the argy bargy. I think at halftime was it at that game? Yeah. One of the breaks was quite a big argy-bargy, and then yeah, the dogs time. sort of managed to get there, and I, I I believe I was sitting right behind Chris Grant as he slotted that goal that put them in front. So 13-year-old me wasn't the um, most emotionally stable person. I, <laughs> I actually cried on the way out because, you know, I've gone through all this and my first game is a loss. So that's that's my big memory of the Bulldogs there. But obviously, you know, ended up being a good a good year anyway. So that's no, no, so no a... complaints. It's
0: taken us 22 years to get to the bottom of the fact that you're the reason we didn't have a perfect season.
1: It was my first game. <laughs> the, the footy gods were like, no, we can't have nice things for Ian there. But moving on, then let's 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 look at the dogs this year. So, obviously, beaten grand finalists last year, and they haven't made the strongest start to the year. They're two and two and four, uh, well down on, on where most people had expected them to be. And it's interesting to look at because if you if you go into this, the general stats of the Bulldogs, there's nothing that really stands out that suggests that they are playing any differently to they were what they were last year. You know, they're they're fairly consistent on, on on their disposals and on on terms of their clearances, although they're slightly up on center and slightly down on stoppage clearances, much of a muchness there. The one thing that probably stands out, and it's only a slight thing is that their their marks around the ground are up. They haven't they haven't increased their marks have increased, but their marks inside 50 haven't increased. So their marks around the ground had increased, which suggests that they're actually playing a bit slower. Now, from what you've seen of them so far, do you think that's a deliberate thing, or do you think teams have been able to slow them down a bit more effectively?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a deliberate thing. I think I think um, teams are definitely working hard on preventing their free ball use out of the back line. Um, you, you know, last year, they were the the number one team in scoring from um, you know rebound 50s or turnovers from their back half. So, um, you yeah, know, we've Bailey Dale and Caleb Daniel back there. They were they, you know, they just used those two to set them up so well. So I think teams are definitely working a lot harder to bring the to just to force them short um, in their transition, rather than um, allowing them to, you know, kick long and get get ball inside fifty faster. Oops, I think you I, I, I
1: just muted myself there. Of course, I did. Uh, so looking, looking then. More deeply going into their game, so if of all their matches, you know, they're, they're probably the one win that you would class as a good win is the one against the Swans. Obviously, the Swans are playing very well this year. It was coming off the Buddy game, the Buddy One Thousand, and the, it seemed like the Swans took a really long time to get started in that game. So, you know, take away take away the the hype of, of the previous week for the Swans, and they may have put out a better performance there. And got over the top of the dogs. They have had a few, a couple of games where their goal kicking accuracy has cost them. They've had more scoring shots than their, their opposition, uh, but haven't been able to, to, you know, finish finish the job there. Is there anything you've noticed in the particular losses that stood out? Then that, that suggest that may suggest something.
0: Yeah, they're a hard team. To get a read, you're right. You know, they beat North, which they should have. Um, you know, the, the Swans might have been on a bit of a down when they beat them. Um, but, you know, the Swans have been playing good footy, so it's a good win. Probably should have beaten Carlton, really. they were. You know, they kicked 2-7 in the last quarter um, and, and couldn't get over the line. And they kicked a lot of behinds against Richmond as well, didn't they? So, you know, that it's, it is a little bit hard to read. But I think if you separate their wins from their losses and look at what teams were doing or, or trying to prevent... Um, in those games, I think it does show a little bit of a pattern. So, you know, last week against the Crows, they were they were only twenty disposals down on on what they have been across the season, but their their marks were down, so they they did really um, restrict their ability to maintain position. And then in their losses, that they, they you know averaged forty three inside fifties versus fifty five, uh, or sorry, last week forty three inside fifties versus their season average of fifty five. Um, you know they, were, they only got eight center clearances, although I think there was only what seventeen goals or something kicked for the game. Um, stoppage clearances were down. Um, their turnovers were up, so Crows really put a lot of pressure on them. And um, and, and what the Crows did really well was was force multiple stoppages. They they weren't prepared to gamble at the stoppage and and allow the ball to get out, out into open space and to get to the likes of Trelaw and Bailey Smith and Bailey Dale and these guys who can, who can run and carry, they, uh, if they couldn't get it on their own terms, then they just, um, they just, um, yeah, forced repeat stoppage over and over again. And then if you, if you look a bit broader than just what happened last week, um, you know, you can see that they, in their losses, their disposal count is well down. So you know, they average, you know, four hundred disposals a game when they win versus three hundred eighty when they lose. They average hundred and ten marks when they win, eighty-nine when they lose. Um they, and their clearance rate is well down as well. So um so yeah, and then they've got some players missing, don't they? Yeah, Keith mm. and English and Bruce are all really critical to their their structure. It's their full back, their full forward, and their number one ruckman. So um, you know, that makes life tough. Johansson. Um, McLean, uh, Hannon are all out there players that have typically played well against us, um, you know, both in type and, and those three themselves. So, you know, they, they're they undermanned a little bit. And then, um, and I think they've got, I feel really reluctant saying this because, you know, if anyone can play a player back into some real form, it, it's us. But, um, you know, Bont is down, you know, on last year, um, you know, six disposals a game down. It's, Three clearances a game down. Caleb Daniel, is sort of getting up to a wing a little bit more than he has in the past, but he's, he's a little bit down in disposals uh, and clearances. Libbers, um, you know, down on contested possessions and clearances on last year. Um, Trelaw's down on um, clearances as well, so <clears throat> they're not massive clearances. And and their overall, um, as you mentioned, their overall numbers are, pro- are relatively simple, a similar, sorry, but they're. It's their prime movers who aren't quite getting the job, and and obviously the guys who are stepping up to fill the void aren't quite at their level. So you know Dunkley's had a really good year, but he's not nearly as dangerous as Bontempelli when he's streaming out of the centre. So, um, so yeah, I think when you dig a little bit deeper, key players missing, and um, and some of their prime movers not quite having the years that they did last year.
1: Yeah, and there's I mean, you know, there's this, there's a this, you look at the result that they had in the grand final, and you know. Obviously, to them, that probably suggests to them that they, they actually have to change something. So maybe they're trying to work through some different different things that they they can do that maybe will allow them to challenge the Melbournes of the of the competition if they make it to that to that point in the next year. We'll yep. move on to selection That's then because there's actually a lot to talk about for once instead of you know speculating on what the the final bench is going to look like and then looking like fools when the when the team actually comes out. We've actually got a full team for once when we're doing one of these shows. So what we have we'll, we'll start with the dogs just quickly so they've admitted Ugle Hagen and Shacky which really you know sets their their hype down as well as with the players that you mentioned and they haven't brought in uh Sweet who would you would normally think would come in as that as that backup ruckman there and they've brought in Smith Vandermeer and Wallace so it looks like they've gone quite small there
0: they only took eight marks inside 50 last week and Shacky and Ugle Hagen took four between them so that's that's half of their of the num- the marks that they did get, sort of gone, and and yeah, they haven't really replaced them with a like for like, have they?
1: No, no, and I think it. One of the things I was I was thinking about when our team was announced was that we brought we brought someone in, and now it might, brought someone in that might not actually have a, a clear matchup now in in breed. It's really exciting to see him get his second game, but I w- I would have thought that you know a, a shacky or or a sweet would have been the perfect player for him to to play on, and now. You know without those that those larger players there there may not actually be a rock you know a clear specific role for him in, in this in this match
0: yeah I, I guess we'll talk about the matchups a little bit later on but yeah I, I've got a little bit of a view on 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 what we might do but I, I don't think you know obviously we when we pick our team we don't have the benefit of knowing what the opposition is going to do so I, I don't think we would have anticipated that both um, both Shay and um, yougle Hagen would have been omitted and I don't think uh, I mean I, I certainly would have expected um, that sweet would have come in to to give um, Martin a chop out as well so they've gone completely the other way so yeah it's it's an interesting one and then yeah on on to us so, I mean I, I feel for BCT I don't think he's, he's, he's done a whole lot wrong for a developing player who's only played you know 20 games I think you know, key position players need time and they need patience, and I don't feel like we've quite afforded him that. Um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't set the world on fire, but he also hasn't you know completely you know
1: crapped the bed so to speak either. Well, 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 that's it. I mean, if you look at look at his opponents over the last two weeks, so Love I think took one mark, kicked it, kicked it behind. Uh, Cameron, you know, only got a goal because of a bit of acting um, in that last quarter. So you know, in terms of being a stopper. He's actually done quite a good job. And you know, you sort you sorta of can, can have one of those I think you can have one of those players in a side that that's role is there to just stop a forward. It may not be the key forward, but it may be that second forward from getting off the leash. So I, I agree. I think based on what he has achieved in the role that we've asked him to play, you know, it does seem a bit harsh, but it is exciting. As I said, it was it is exciting to see Reed come in. He did play well in the BFL. He does look like he does look like the future there. Uh, but the other, the other big news, and probably the one that, probably the one that most people are going to be talking about, is the omission of Shield. Uh, I, I thought this might have happened last week um, after the Fremantle game, yeah, but after the uh, after the Collingwood game, you know, I, I think he he definitely lifted his his rate, and given that we're going up against a very strong clearance side, to to drop someone who who is probably our second best clearance player behind Parrish. You know, is qu- quite a big statement. What do you think the reasoning behind that is?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I at least in and around the clearance, I, I thought he was pretty good. Um, uh, you know, we know he's got challenges by foot and, and every week we see some good stuff and we see some pretty poor stuff and we saw that again on the weekend. I, I guess the thing that I was quite excited about was that it's really only... Um, uh, you know, um, Parish really didn't become a, a midfielder until sort of round three or four last year when, you know, she got injured. <coughs> Pardon me. He'd it, been in there for fits and starts. And then obviously um, when shield came back, he didn't really play through the midfield anyway. So um, so this week was really the second time since round one, um, you know, round one being the other time that we've seen um, Shield Merritt and Parish play together as a midfield trio. So, uh, you know, I... <laughs> And I liked what I saw. You know, I thought they they, they worked really well together um, in terms of how they fed off each other. Um, you know, Shield had our second most number of clearances. Um, you know, still got a fair bit of the footy. His, uh, you know, his efficiency rate wasn't wasn't great. It wasn't the best, but it also wasn't the worst. But clearly, the coaches aren't liking what they're seeing um, in a defensive matter. And I think we saw Parish. And Merritt work really hard up, again, up and down the ground. I I didn't watch Shield closely enough to to make a call on it, but I, I guess I mean that's the obvious one, right? Um, yeah, he had two tackles. So did Parish. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I think that's the only thing that it could be. And, and I think you know we we dropped or, or we um truck dropped De- um Devin Smith because he clearly wasn't happy with his output. And um, I think this is another you know reasonably strong statement to just say that. You know, name um, and reputation isn't enough alone to get a game anymore, and uh, we'll back in some young blokes like Caldwell and Hobbs to to fill the void if you're not going to pull your weight. So, um, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how how he responds from that. I, I you know, I, 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 you know, I've heard only good things about him in terms of his application at training and and his leadership qualities off the field. Um, obviously, we don't see that always transpire on the field, so. Yeah, I think if anyone's going to cop it on the chin and go back and work really hard and, and come back and be a better player for it, um, uh, you know, I, I think he, he could be one of them. So,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, you'd hope that given... I think most of us would have heard the McGrath interview the previous week before with um with Lloydy uh, about, you know, the they reset the expectations of the players. So, if he hasn't met those expectations and he's been dropped because of that, you'd hope that he understands. You know he's probably not you're certainly not happy about it, but you know it's he understands the place it's coming from and it hasn't just come out of out of nowhere. Uh, but let's let's move on to the match tactics then where we we sort of go through the things that need to happen uh, for in order for Essence to win. just for those listening. After we do this, we do our our final question. If you haven't seen what the final question is, it's uh, how do we legally deal with Cody Waitman this time around? Uh, so if you would like to share your thoughts on that, you can do so after we go through the match tactics. But let's make a start with that. So first one that you've pointed out is the effort and intensity of the contest. So you can't just have last week be a one-off.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, you mentioned McGrath and Parrish and the likes sort of did did talk the talk a bit last week and then they walked the walk. But <clears throat> pardon me, it means nothing if it's, it's one-off. So I think we've just got to... We've got to back that up and, and do it again. We've set a baseline; don't let it be a flash in the pan, uh, and start from bounce one. I think, you know, if you go back and watch the first bounce of the Collingwood game, Parrish really did crunch in right at that first bounce. He he made a a pretty big statement, not necessarily to Collingwood. Um, I don't think it's about the opposition, but it's about you know what you're saying to your teammates and um and and making a statement to them. So um so yeah, I, I think I think that's really important. I think we're just going to, and what you know, in doing that, we we don't allow the dogs to take uncontested marks, um, and it also means that when we're putting pressure on their ball carriers, it gives us a chance to to better set up against the, uh, behind the ball and defend transition. I think uh, you know, it, it has so many follow on effects to how we want to play that if we can increase that that effort and intensity at the contest, then um, then yeah, I think we're. Um, yeah, we're we're a long way to well, not a long way to winning the game, but it's a it's a, a great
1: starting point and um and give ourselves every chance, I guess. Absolutely, and just moving on from that in terms of, sort of that pressure of the contest, it does start with the it does start with the ruck and the clearance, and you would think that uh, if Draper has the same output that he did against Collingwood, that he would have the dominance over Martin, who's obviously very experienced and 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 Cammy Ruckman. But you would expect that more often than not, Essendon's going to get first, you know, first touch of the ball from the ruck. But if you go into the stats and sort of do a, a ratio between, you know, hit outs to uh, clearances, the Bulldogs are actually the top team in terms of uh, clearances per hit out. So they get one and a half clearances per hit out, which, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense from a numbers point of view, but it does when you think about how they, they work off the opposition ruckman. And in fact, they, they probably set up in part not, not expecting to win the ruck so how do you then how do you deal with that had you do you ever so in when in your time at analyst did you ever you know was there any discussion about well we don't expect to win the ruck how do we how do we set up to deal with that yeah there was
0: a i still get flashbacks from this so i mean 2000 was a very different team right it probably didn't matter all that much what happened in the ruck but um going into the grand final against melbourne the one um the one huge advantage that they did have was Jeff White versus John Barnes. And, and Barnes, he was, um, you know, a great athlete. He was great around the ground and, and he was one of the early prototypes for what we see now is that sort of, um, extra midfielder, um, you know, who can, who can follow up at the contest and run around the ground. But, but his tap work or his tap work is fine. His ability to outreach and out jump someone like Jeff White was pretty limited. So, so yeah, even, even back then we, um, we put a lot of work into into something like that and um and yeah, hair he actually had me who looked after much of the opposition analysis back then um had me watch every single jeff white game throughout the season um so and and that was back in a in an analog era still largely so it wasn't um you know it wasn't like now where you can go on and and bring it up on a server and and look at all of his right contests in one go and, and, it, and it finds it for you. I had to literally pull out VHS tape of every game and um, and watch it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the dogs would undoubtedly do that, which is, I think, you know, the best way to counteract that is to, to make sure you're not stationary at stoppages. And, and we were really good at that last week. You know, Parrish, um, Sheil, who's not going to be there, obviously, and, and Merritt are, are all really mobile. Um, as is Stringer when he goes in. I would expect now with a run under his belt and and Shield not being there that we're going to see more Stringer in the middle um, so so be on the move don't, not to be stationary and then don't be predictable don't hit to the same spot every time um, uh, you know they're, they're the big ways that, that we can go about it and then I think Draper's got to repeat the energy and effort around the ground and make sure that he fatigues Martin as quickly as possible, um, you know, Martin's. Um, you know, he's been around for a long time. He, he's not the the prime mover that he once was, and he's had a lot of injury concerns over his career himself. So, I think, um, I think we've just got to make the most of that, and um, it takes you know, if we're winning clearance, they're not obviously, and it takes away one of their most dominant scoring um or, you know scoring opportunities and, and that's you know scores from clearance so um you know it has a double edge effect it's our it's our big scoring area and it's it, it takes it away from them as well so so yeah it's a, it's a really important one this way.
1: absolutely and it sort of leads into to the next idea so you get that first use of the ball and you get inside 50 you know you you want to hit someone and, and and get that mark and you know despite despite what you hear about our ball use and you know everyone you know a lot of complaints about our entries to to inside forward fifty. We're actually one of the best at, at getting a mark from from forward entries. We're actually third uh, best for taking marks inside fifty uh, this year. The dogs the dogs are six, uh, but there's, there's a bit of a gap between between those two. And I think it's about twenty marks for the year. But we're actually um, as we sort of pointed out a couple of uh, weeks ago, we're actually the six worst for conceding a mark inside fifty. So I guess if we think more about you know moving moving forward. Uh, you know, one of the, again, you sort you sort of pointed them out. Um, you sort of pointed them out, uh, earlier on in terms of, uh, Bailey Dale and, uh, um, who's the other little guy, the uh, <laughs> Caleb Daniel, Caleb uh, Daniel. Yeah. Old, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Caleb Daniel, you know, they'll, if, if we don't, if we don't basically, we, we need to market as much as we can, because we, one of the things against Collingwood, that was a problem was that we weren't able to, you know, contain the movement out of, out of the, out of the forward line, uh, so if, we, if we're marking it, they can't, they can't run it out. So how, how would you go about making sure that we were taking more, more marks or keeping up that, that high standard? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I think it's hard for us as fans to accept that we're actually doing this a lot better than we were last year um, and, and in previous years. Like We mentioned it before, Waterman kicks four, Stringer kicks three. We didn't mention Perkins. He kicked two, I think, from memory. So our mediums, medium forwards kicked nine between them. You know, you take that every single week, don't you? Um, what we, what we're really lacking is that that crummer. Um, you know, although Guelph is playing better, better footy, but he's probably not a, a, a true crumbing forward. Um, and and Wright's been down because we haven't been able to 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 get him into enough, um, you know, enough clean space. So, you know, Peter Wright's not a massive. Uh, you know, pack mark. He's, he does, he he has his best impact on the on the lead and, and in movement. So I think we just need to to continue the work that we're doing to to isolate and separate our medium forwards, which which is working for us. Um, and we've done a better job of lowering our eyes and finding them. And the good thing with blokes like Stringer and and Waterman in particular, um, Perkins, you know, hasn't been a great set shot for us. But the other two are, is they can kick them from pretty much anywhere. So you can. You can hit them up on angles and and they'll convert more often than not. Um, so need to keep that. Um, but then I, I think it, it, it's it's probably just going to take some time. But hopefully, with some coaching and development and support um, during the week, we can isolate or, or use Baldwin in a more offensive manner and help and and him and Wright can work better together. They just. They just got tangled a lot last week and, and you know, right sort of, sorry, not right, um, Baldwin just, just felt lost at times. So, um, you yeah, know, maybe we just need to get him to be a, a free up a little bit and be a bit more offensive and lead at the footy and honour him. And then, um, and if we can do that, that probably drags another opponent away from right. And and he really, I, I imagine Gardner would probably go to Peter Wright. He should be too tall and strong for him. So, um, yeah, I, I it's it's not an easy thing i don't think but um i think um there's the foundations are there um it's just that Baldwin and right connection if they they can find their way through that then um then yeah we should get an improved output
1: absolutely and that that sort of leads into the next point we brought them up before uh daniel and dale um in terms of their their output and their, their delivery out, out of the defensive 50 for them um you made a point in, in, in our notes that, you know, in the elimination final, they, they had 33 kicks between them in, in the win we had in, I think it was around 21. Uh, they only had 26. So, you know, it's not a huge, it's not a huge difference, but there's a different impact there. And, you know, we, the, the win was only by a couple of goals. I mean, that, that that's in part one of the differences between a win and a loss in some in some respects
0: yeah absolutely i think the the thing with them is it's not so much about disposals it's the quality of disposals that you allow them to have so i think in the when you compare those two games i think they had as many or similar number total disposals but their kick to handball ratio was, was was down in the in the loss late in the season so we were we were able to apply enough pressure to force them to handball rather than to allow them to run and kick so i think you know, you do that in a number of ways. You, you do it by by being mindful of them. So, you know, that that probably means that someone like Wealthy gets a, a bit of a job to do on the defensive and, and looks after someone like, you know, either one of those two. To be honest, probably Daniel, um, might he might be better suited to. He's um, sort of a little bit more straight lines than Dale. Um, yeah. And and whoever has Dale just has to be mindful of of getting on their bike as soon as we we don't maintain possession. And if we can just restrict them from kicking and kicking long, um, then um, then yeah, I think we can have a, a, a you yeah, know we take away another one of their big scoring options. As as we mentioned at the start, they were the number one team last year from scoring from their back fifty. So if we can minimise that then and minimise clearances then we take all, you know they're struggling to score already take away their two two big strengths and um and we give ourselves a big chance
1: absolutely and I mean thinking about other people to restrict is is obviously McCrae, you know the possession possession vacuum he just he seems to you know get 30 odd each week you, you chuck him in your multi each week and you know lock that in but you know he's had he's been a leading disposal getter the last three times against Essendon. uh how do you how do you handle that? Is he damaging enough that you have to put time into him, or do you think he gets that many possessions because teams don't aren't that concerned about his possessions as a, as opposed to say a, a Bontempelli or a or a Smith or someone like that? Yeah, I, I like the way that we
0: used McGrath last week on on Dugowie, where um, so someone like you know Trelaw or Bailey Smith or the like at, at any point in time is is probably going to be at half forward. So I think if McGrath rolls up with that player and at stoppage performs a handover so um, you know that means that um, McGrath would identify um, so it's a bit of a three card trick right so you know let's say Merritt's uh, McRae's direct opponent so Merritt would slide to their winger and then our winger uh, let's say Durham would slide to Bailey Smith or or whoever it is that's rolled up at the stoppage and McGrath just goes and sits on on McRae and what, what that should allow us to do is take away their best clearance player at, at stoppage and, and restrict his ability to win the ball and free up, <clears throat> you know, Merritt, Parish, etc., to be more offensive at the stoppage and then have our, our wingers set up like they were last week to be able to either move offence really quickly or move defence really quickly. Um, the caveat on that is we need to be aware of Libertore as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's a good plan to have, but but have the flexibility in game to realise, okay, well, at the moment, is hot, so let's get on him and let's try and slow him down. At the moment, McRae's hot. Okay, pally has gone in there now. Let's just and he's a bit hot, so let's try and restrict him. So, you know, don't be single-minded about it, but identify the the one at the stoppage uh, around the ground that's likely to be the most dangerous, particularly forward a centre. Um, you know, we don't want McGrath, you know, extending himself up into our forward fifty or anything, but um, but yeah, identify the one more likely to be McRae more often than not that that we can put some time into its stoppages to to restrict their ability to win
1: them yeah very good and so one the other thing we sort of brought up when we were looking at the teams is how how small the dogs have gone you know we, we talked about who was out in terms of Shaky and oglehagen and and sweet not being selected how does that how does that affect the defensive matchups then so obviously the key the key standout there in terms of tools is norton what's your what's your thoughts in terms of who they play on him yeah i I would have thought well as we were sort of preparing
0: for this during the week I was thinking well assuming that he's fit Laverde has been getting the most dangerous forward he goes to Norton um, I, I think we've been overextending Norton uh, sorry Laverde a little bit you know he's what is he 189 or 190 like he's not a, a, a true well, he might be a bit taller than on that 192, 193 but he, he's not a 200 centimetre tall defender and he's, he's giving away a lot of height so we've been a little bit harsh on him um, but yeah my, my expectation would have been that he gets the job um but I'd actually put Ridley on him. Ridley's played on him the last couple of times. I think he did a good job in the elimination final. Norton kicked three. But as we know, after quarter time, they got so much ball down there that, you know, restricting him to three was, um, you know, he
1: probably could have kicked 12. Um, yeah. And for such, a, for such a good mark, there were numerous times where, you know, Ridley outmarked him in a 50-50, which is yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, and
0: he's been out of form, right, Um, Ridley? He hasn't been the player this year that we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, And, you know, we've all been – there's been a lot of talk about it on Twitter. How do we free him up? How do we get him back to the peak of the powers? Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't free him up and we just go the other way and keep it simple for him, Um, give him a role and just say, just go and stop their best forward, mate. If you can do that, particularly when they don't have, you know, too many other tools down there, if you can beat Norton, uh, we know you're capable – yeah, you read the play well. You're a great spoiler. Um, just go and keep it simple for him. Be that. And what we know about Zach Reed is he does read the play so well. I mean, he he's great in the air. He keeps his eye on the ball. He kind of floats through the air. So maybe we just switch that and free him up. Rather than asking Reed to, you know, in game number two to go and play on someone like Norton um, or Verde, who's going to give him a lot of extra size. We just free Reed up. Um, and and put him in the you know I will put this in inverted commas appreciate no one can see me but um put him in the Ridley role, and um um and yeah see if we can get some some intercept marks that way um, and then that you know Mitch Wallace was there um, was he their leading goal scorer two years ago wasn't he twenty twenty I think he he was their leading goal scorer so. You know we should he shouldn't be underestimated. We, um, but he's that probably finally gives us a matchup for someone like Dyson Heppel, who, yeah, you know a lot of people are rightly questioning where where Hepps at and what his role is and and who we should be playing on. Um, you know he he can't play on a dangerous small forward. I think opposition teams have worked out that they can play through his man. Um, we saw that on ANZAC Day. So you know the Verde you know, probably suits that as well. But, um, but that also then also give, frees up Le Verde to play on Bonson Pally, which I would expect given how small I've gone, is going to spend a fair time forward. So yeah, I'd go that way. And then I think while we're on the theme and to kind of round out, round this out is, um, is just be aware of the unknowns. I think, um, you know, we know what, what Waitman can do, but, um, you know, they've got you know, McNeil and McComb and you know, a couple uh Vandermeer is back. So they've they've got some other fleet of foot dangerous small forwards. So um, you know, Redmond and Cutler, I assume, is gonna play across half back and McGraw are just gonna to have to have their awareness. Plus, you know, Trelaw gets forward and Bailey Smith get forward. So um <clears throat> yeah, just, just I'm I'm nervous of those couple of unknowns that we don't hmm. know much about popping up and kicking a couple. So yeah. Ridley to Norton, mate, is the summary. Free up read. Let him be that intercept player where we can. Um, and, yeah, give Heppel a job to
1: do on, on Wallace and, and Liberto get sponsored Pally when he's forward. That's it. Well, good good points. We'll keep an eye out for those during the match and we'll, we'll do the reflection on that when we when we have our next week's show. Uh, but we are going to move on to our final thought. And as, as always, if you would like to share your thought on the final thought, please put your hand up uh, and we'll get to you after Jono. But Jono, the the question was how do you deal with Cody Waitman and I, I made the point on Twitter of saying legally no um Tonya Harding style you know uh, wrench to the knee prior to <laughs> prior to the game um, how how do you how do you handle a player like that who has got sort of, like we saw with Gibin you know this past week he's able to get on uh, on top of us pretty often.
0: Yeah, I mean if anyone um, knows where he buys his coffee from maybe some sour milk in that but um, I, I think really maybe
1: not. if we just keep a look on Josh Fryenberg's TikToks, we might um, track him down. Oh, really? You know. Okay.
0: You oh, go. you haven't seen
1: that? Okay. I should no, have brought that. Anyway. Yeah, okay. Um,
0: I, I think we know his playing style. He knows how to milk a free ride. Right? I, I, I've i said this a number of times. I, w- I would love him if he played for us. I, I hate him when he plays against us, but I love watching him play footy. And, and if he played for us, you know, I'd get his number on my duffel coat in a heartbeat. Um, but, um, you yeah, know, it's, it's an old-fashioned... Um, Sort of um, statement and and that is just eyes on the hips, you know keep your eyes where you want to tackle, so keep your eyes low um, and and make sure that when he's got the ball you're you're not being fooled by the flop, so just in in low and hard. Um, the other thing that I would do is I would actually niggle him um, I think back to I won't mention the team we played or or the name um, just in case, but um, a number of years ago we we played against a side who had a player. He was more a midfielder than a forward who who was a bit like man. He was a bit of a barometer for the opposition. Um, when he was up and about, they were typically playing good footy, but he was also, I don't want to say Waitman's soft, but just wasn't known for his physical um, attributes. So um, we actually um, made a, we had a, a placard down on the bench where every time there was an interchange rotation, the guy saw a live, the players saw a live update of how many times someone had bumped this guy off his off his feet or, you know, put him, pushed him off balance or niggled him just as they ran past him. So, you know, I think there's still some room for that in, in, in footy. You know, you don't have to biff him. You don't have to knock him out. You don't have to do anything like that. But every time you run past him, just a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a bump, I mean, just make him uncomfortable and make him know that, you know, we're, we're not going to sort of take stand for too much shit. Um, and and make it a team thing not just about his opponent um make you know make him feel like our our whole 22 is is out to get him so yeah that would be me i, I don't know if anyone's put their hand up or has any other ideas but um it looks a little bit yeah, yeah it looks what about you mate Have you got any thoughts
1: <sighs> look i you know it's hard, it's hard it's hard, to, it's hard to be you know you know, we, we we try and be a very um, you know, serious and, you know, focused on on stats and tactics, but you know, it's it's hard to, you know, not get you in enough in and just you know, you just imagine someone lining him up and you know, if, if Draper if can pull off a big bump like he did against Lipinski, you know, just put him on his backside particularly early, that would be um you know, maybe maybe put him off his game a little bit. But you know, sometimes these sometimes these small forwards, and you know, he's he's quite new, he's quite new to it. They, they actually revel in that, so it's hard to know whether you know what you said would actually work against him or, or would would rev him up. Do you have a player in mind that maybe you would you would have from him mainly? Well, we haven't mentioned
0: his name. We we got into the club's playing small forwards, right? So so you know, Kelly has to be the one, doesn't he? Um, he's their most dangerous small. He's the guy we've brought to the club to play on smalls. Um, He's physical. He's strong. Um, you know, Waitman's good in the air. Kelly's pretty good in the air. Um, I got worried a couple of times last week. Kelly fumbled below his knees. Um, so, he's going to have to improve there. But, yeah, I, I think that physical presence on him, um, someone that can kind of whack him and bump him uh, when given the opportunity, I think I think he's the, the right matchup, mate. And, and, you know, we certainly don't want to expose Heppel to him. And I don't think we want to restrict Redmond's movement up the ground by by putting him on him either so yeah Kelly's the one for me mate excellent
1: well that that wraps us up for tonight just want to thank everyone who who has given us a listen and given us a go everyone who's listened live and everyone who will be listening uh, moving forward any any final words Jono from you no just yeah being overwhelmed mate by
0: um by all the feedback that we're getting, it's it's been good fun, and we haven't had the wins that we would have liked. But, um, yeah, it's been nice to just talk about footy and, um, and yeah, share sort of some really good moments with, um, with lots of, you know, passionate fans. So, yeah, good fun, mate. And thanks to you for all the work that you did this week once again on, on getting us on, um, on the podcast, um, stations with, um, Yeah, I don't think either of us expected for it to be as popular as it has, but we're we're certainly chuffed that it has been. And, um, yeah, I I really look forward to each week. So thanks to you, mate, and thanks to all the Bombers fans. Cheers,
1: guys. Thanks, everyone. Oh, is there a hand up? Is that a – oh, no. No. It's gone down. We're good, mate. (laughs) We're all clear? All right. all All good. Cheers, guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you.